I sometimes read uh, public domain books here on Leaves of Glen. And they were written a long time ago, uh, so they're usually uh, racist or sexist or bigoted. Uh, but in there somewhere and all that is a, a story, and that's why those stories are famous. Other times, I read uh, works from independent authors, and they're delightfully not racist, but they might have adult language or adult situations. So that's your warning, uh, but I'm sure you uh, are grown up enough to handle it. Don't write to me complaining. Oh, hello, and welcome to the Leaves of Glen Mansion. It's a fun little bit where I pretend to live in a mansion and not just recording in my basement. This is where I read the hottest in public domain books and short stories. Uh, this week, we're going to read another chapter of Castle of Terror, a turd fest by Caroline Farr. It's a gothic novel. Uh, it was first published in August of 1975. About the author, we know almost nothing about the author. We do know about the publisher, which is Horowitz Publications. They did a gothic series that was written between 1966 and 1977 by, quote, Caroline Farr. It's a pseudonym of an Australian writer, Richard Wilkes Hunter. Uh, though other writers were known to have used the Farr house name. I love that it's called a house name. Uh, and that's pretty much it. Uh, last couple episodes, I was trying to do a little bit where I was making up stuff about his life, but I'm bored of that. So instead, I'm going to read about other famous authors and what kind of dicks they were. Dan Brown, uh, the famed author of The Da Vinci Code, uh, kind of a lame book, was previously a pop singer. Oh, he had once written a, uh, a song about phone sex. Uh, the author of The Famous Five and The Secret Seven series, Enid Blyton, uh, hated kids and got hopping mad whenever children made a racket in her neighborhood. Even her uh, younger daughter, Imogen, called her uh, arrogant, insecure, uh, pretentious, and without a uh, without without a, uh, a trace of uh, maternal instinct. Uh, the accomplished horror writer Stephen King uh, had a fear of the number thirteen. He was so terrified of it that he wouldn't pause reading or writing if he's on page thirteen, or it's multiples, because he's just anal, till he reaches a safe number. Apart from being an adept writer, uh, Mark Twain also is the inventor of the self-pasting scrapbook, weird, and the uh, elastic clasp brassiere strap. So good for him. I'm sure the world celebrates him. Lewis Carroll allegedly proposed uh, to the real 11-year-old Alice, which is gross, and he's also thought to be a heavily repressed pedophile. So I spent like an hour looking into that. Turns out, uh, he had naked uh, photos of the the Alice that he based the book off of. So, gross. Charles Dickens was so fascinated with dead bodies, he spent most of his time at the Paris morgue. Good for him. On May 16, 1836, Edgar Allan Poe married his first cousin, uh, Virginia Eliza Clem. He was 26 at the time, and, uh, uh, oh, Christ, she was 13. William Burroughs, the author of The Naked Lunch, shot his wife in the head during a drunken attempt at playing William Tell. The controversial beat writer uh, also had once chopped the top joint of his finger as a gift to his ex-boyfriend, but insisted, uh, oh, instead presented it to a psychiatrist who freaked out and uh, committed him to a private clinic. Two young schoolgirls... 
tricked Sherlock Holmes author, uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, into believing the existence of fairies. Yeah, I talked about that when I read uh, my crap. Uh, it, he, uh, he saw these cutouts of fairies that were actually cutouts from a book that he had a story in. Uh, so if he took the time, like his character does, he would have uh, known that that is in the books. He would have known that it was fake because it's in a printed copy of something he wrote. But no, he didn't. And he believed these tiny little girls that uh, had these pictures of little fairies that they were kind of posing next to. Jonathan Swift, the creator of Gulliver's Travels, was the uh, was first to coin the name Vanessa. I don't know what that means. Alexander Dumas, uh, his pants fell off during his first duel at the age of 23. It's got to be embarrassing. J.R. Tolkien was known to be a, a wacky prankster. Uh, who once dressed as an axe-wielding Anglo-Saxon warrior and uh, and uh, and chased his neighbor? Uh, Maya Angelou once worked as a sex worker uh, and as a madam, and chronicled her experiences in her memoir "Gather Together in My Name." Oh, there's people hanging out in my in my basement while I record. Thank God the bell went off. Uh, why don't we close up this shit fest and uh, just start reading the story? Well, here we are, all settled in the library. Uh, turns out everyone is in my basement because they're all trying to figure out uh, when the heck the pizza's showing up. I ordered pizza, and uh, everyone's real excited about it. Like it's the only exciting thing they've ever had in their entire life. Uh, chapter 4. Count Renizzi. Oh, is waiting at the stairs as we filed along a narrow passage at the far side of the castle. I walk beside Shane with my hand on his arm. Behind Yasmin and Oliver Grant. Adam and Jean followed Shane and me, talking quietly about Jean's plans for the winter racing at Laurel. I glanced back at Adam Lester and Jean, and when I turned back again, Oliver was waiting, frowning, to join the other men. Jerk. Count Renese had replaced him in helping a, a laughing Yasmin um, down stone steps that led into utter darkness. It was dark in this corner of the building, for we had passed the last light of a, of a hundred feet back. Oh, the cow produced flashlight that showed us worn stone steps spiraling down. The stone walls closed in around us as we descended, and Count Renese had to tell us to be careful. Oh, I stumbled once, and only Shane's hand on my arm stopped me from falling. The men behind us stopped their conversation and followed silently in single file. The, the chill in the air on this winding stone stairway had me a shivering, and I had uh, I was glad of the ski jacket and cap. I began to notice stains of dampness on the walls on either side when Yasmin saw a spider's web trailing down from a great web that spanned the stairs. Oh, oh, she gasped in terror, a gasp that I echoed instinctively. Count Renese, I chuckled. Ah, this collection is too valuable to allow it to be spoiled by dampness, he said. The stains you see eh, are simulated. That's weird. Luigi is very good at such things. The spider web is genuine. Luigi asked me if he could leave it there for effect. I saw a spider, Yasmin shuddered. 
Uh, she had always been terrified of spiders at Greenfields, I remembered. Uh, you can't have a web without them. <laughs> Count Radizzi said dryly, but Luigi was careful not to keep any dangerous ones. The spider you see is quite harmless to man. He flashed his light upon it. A shiny, black, horrible creature with a body as big as a quarter, uh, which seemed to stare down at us with unblinking malevolence, <laughs> frozen by the light. I fell almost on top of Yasmin as I saw it. And Yasmin gasped and asked in a frightened voice, Are there, are there spiders in Terraki, Pedro? Oh, he laughed and steadied her as Shane's hand was steadying me. And he was, he has, one has to remember that the torture chambers of feudal times were in almost constant use. The lord of the castle uh, and his shalantine, well, it's not a kindle, so I can't look that up, often entertained their guests, as I am entertaining you by inviting them to witness the torture of victims. The torture chambers were kept as clean as any other room in the castle, so to be authentic, I insisted that there be no trailing spider webs in the dungeons. I don't like any kind of spider, Yasmin muttered, hurrying to get from beneath that huge web above us. Nah, I hear it too, and Count Radizzi said, Oh, there's no cause for nervousness, ladies. Uh, thanks. Uh, I'll try to remember that. Now there was a faint sound of hammering far below us, and I began to see a ruddy glow on the walls. Shane's hand squeezed my arm. Mmm, reassuringly. Don't let it spook you, Megan, he said. The hammering is probably Luigi and his assistant Niccolo at work. And when you see them, remember they're not really a medieval executioner and his assistant. Anything sinister about them is like Luigi's stains of dampness. Simulated. Luigi is a highly skilled antiquarian, and Niccolo an artisan, whose trade is the restoration of antiques. Right, Count Radizzi? They were both clever and dedicated men, the Count agreed. It had been dark on the stairs except for the beam of the Count's light, but the flickering red glow on the walls was strengthening, and I smelled faintly the tang a burning tar or pitch, uh, not an unpleasant smell. Luigi had been working under an uh, electric light, even in the daytime. Count Renizzi explained to Yasmin, uh, uh, The dungeons have no windows. Oh, they're cut deep in the cliff above the sea to make escape impossible. Now, oh, I asked Luigi to supply authentic light for you today, uh, Yasmin, and he suggested Torches of twisted reeds, soaked in pitch, uh, such as they were once used in the castle Radizzi. Oh, I think you both uh, and your husband will appreciate Luigi's work when you see it. Uh, you will find it different from the display of miniatures and glass in Maryland, I assure you. It was as though he had forgotten the rest of us, and uh, all was for Yasmin. I can say that again, Shane muttered. Almost there, Morgan, I felt his hand tighten on my arm reassuringly. And behind me, Oliver's voice said in surprise, uh, Hey, hey, you guys, uh, what about that? Below us, at the foot of the stone stairs, as we rounded the last curve of the descending spiral, two torches in brackets burned redly. One on either side of the passage. Ahead of us, uh, a heavy wooden door bound with iron uh, was flanked by two suits of medieval armor with spears held in iron gloves. Uh, the bolts on the doors of the European torture chambers in medieval times were 
always on the outside, Count Radizzi said to Yasmin as he helped her down the last step, uh, with only a few yards of stone passage ahead to the closed door. Oh, oh, uh, oh, when the chambers were in use, the door was kept bolted on the outside, and sentries stood guard. As, as you see, it was uh, thought that desperate people condemned to torture and death Ah, they might overpower the people inside and bolt the door against the guards if there were bolts inside. Oh, no protective locks were used to stop people from getting in. Uh, We had to reverse that idea here because the value of the exhibits. None of the instruments of torture in here are facsimiles. Yasmin, oh, they're centuries old and all were once used for the purpose uh, for which they were designed. Torture. Or, uh, or, 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 or execution. Joining us, Oliver Grant asked maliciously. Eh, uh, I suppose some of the exhibits were used in the castle Renizi, Pedro. I remember you showed me your dungeons uh, there when I, was, uh, when I was in Italy. Well, most of them were, Count Renizi said without looking at him. My ancestors were no better than their times or their contemporaries. Oliver, great power begets cruelty and injustice. It was their right by birth. Including the right of the Signor to uh, sleep with the serfs' bride on their wedding night, all our people were serfs of the body, uh, with with all that is implied. Uh, Count Renizi said simply, "Shall we go in, Yasmin?" Yasmin gave a startled cry, which I echoed uh, as he led her toward the door. Uh, what I had thought were two suits of armor came unexpectedly to life and saluted with their spears. Uh, one turned and hammered on the door with the butt <laughs> of his spear and then moved back to his place. Behind me, Adam Lester said in a startled voice, Oh, hey, the real. Well, I followed the Count and Yasmin nervously, and I had grabbed Shane's wrist in fright as the guards first moved. Oh, and I, oh, oh, and I still gripped it as though I might go down if I let go. The heavy door blocked our way. Hey, uh, Oh, God! <laughs> what do you want? I'm I doing a podcast it. again. I got it from the front door for you. You got a what? The pizza. Thank you. Now the other kid's coming down to talk about pizza. The delivery driver was very good looking. I missed it. <laughs> Hello, now I got both kids in here. No, What's going on? I was going to let the cats out. Because he was like, take it from the side. And I was like, no, I can't. Oh, I don't want a cat. No. I got to go speedy. Father. What's that? I'm hungry. Well, then eat the pizza. No. Oh. Uh, you should know how to I make a pizza. I don't have a clue how to make a pizza. You don't know how to work the oven? You're going to burn the house easy. down? Do what? you know how to work the oven? Your shoulders and your hips are going in two different directions. Yeah. Well, this isn't important. Uh, why don't you consider taking a pizza from the freezer and having Audrey do it for you? Do you, you know that? how to work the oven? Then go ask girlfriend. Figure it out. Go All up right. there and ask girlfriend. She'll throw it in. Excuse you. You don't get to punch me. You realize I'm recording a podcast yeah. and I am not editing this out. <laughs> <laughs> Giant turd. It's about time we made a cameo. <laughs> Damn, Audrey's had three now. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Are we gonna read Dune and do a whole thing about it? You can if you want to pay the seventeen ninety nine. I'll do it. But it's so fucking expensive for zero reasons. Don't point at me no. like that. Ah, <laughs> uh, family that wants to make money off their dead dad's no. writing. That's what makes sense. That's the reason. I went to have Bryce books to look, and they only had like the end of the series. Like That's Dune, fine. Like Dune is. We'll just order it online. We live in the future. We can just order it online. <laughs> Don't make that face. We're gonna read the first Dune book. We're gonna record episodes about it. And uh, my God, 
You're not coming down with your weird cameos. What the fuck? You're not doing it. All right, so ask girlfriend. She will make a, a pizza for you. I can do it. I'm the one who needs it. Don't slap my face. I can't eat the pizza. Just fine. I'm literally in the middle of recording a podcast. Get out of here. God damn it. I don't even know where I left off. Uh, I followed the count Yasmin nervously, and I grabbed Shane's wrist. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, he wore... Uh, no. The heavy door blocked our way. And where I stood, I was almost touching the guard on the left side of the passage. Oh, he wore chain mail. I saw it now. And the visor of his helmet was raised, showing a dark, stern Italian face with, the, with, 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 with brown eyes that gleamed in the flickering red torchlight. I forgot him as I uh, heard a rubbing, scraping sound, and Yasmin grasped and clung to the Count's arm as I was clinging to Shane. Ahead, a panel in the door was being slid back uh, slowly. A face uh, materialized against the same background of ruddy light, and I gasped and uh, clung tighter to Shane. Oh, the face was uh, staring out at Yasmin and uh, me and, and wore a black leather hood. Oh, and a black mask. That's a little callback to earlier when one of the help had sex with a guy dressed like that, uh, which uh, black eyes glinted malevolently as they studied us. Uh, Avanti, Excellency, a deep voice said. The panel slid shut, and the heavy door began to open, open ponderously. I shuddered. And, uh, and Shane's arm moved as he took my hand and held it reassuringly. Oh, there was comfort in that firm touch. Comfort I needed as we followed Yasmin and the Count inside and with the others close behind us. Yasmin was recovering her natural poise, but her laughter sounded uh, forced to me as she said, uh, your people certainly looked apart, uh, Petro. You mean the headsman's jerkin mask and uh, tights Nicolo's wearing? It was customary for torturers and executioners to be masked while they performed their duties. Uh, that was to prevent possible reprisals. Right, Nicolo? The masked man I had glimpsed through the panel held the great door open and stood aside for us to enter. Oh, he was no more than, uh, oh, five feet tall, uh, a uh, hunchback twisted out of shape, but with tremendous shoulders and thick arms, which great muscles swelled with the slightest movement. Oh, his medieval jerkin, uh, tights, <laughs> and shoes, uh, like the mask, were all of funeral black. His legs were too short for his body, but thick, with the same bulging muscles as his arms. Oh, he might have stepped from the stage of some medieval theater, where he had played the grim headsman. I had gasped in fright, as I saw him, and it uh, took effort to say hello. His his eyes glinted through his mask as he answered Count Radizi. True, Excellency, he agreed. Many a poor fellow has uh, torn apart on his own rack or mutilated, and his eyes burned out by his own cunningly formed irons just because he was careless and allowed some witness to a torture or execution to see his face. This happened many times during revolts of the uh, peasants in Europe, and it happened once to an ancestor of mine. Did you make the costume, Niccolo? I asked him nervously as we passed. Uh, a Luigi did miss. It is quite authentic, as everything we have prepared 
is here. I can see that, I said with feeling. The costume, what he was wearing, was identical to the one the tall man had wore last night. His had been authentic enough to scare both Carla and me, as Niccolo had scared Yasmin and me just now. Oh, oh, I wondered if I should tell Shane about last night, even if I wanted to. This was the place. But the man last night had not been Niccolo either. I couldn't imagine Carla having a hunchback for a lover, especially when Count Renese was available. We were entering a huge room uh, with stone walls on three sides and the bars of a row of cells on the other. Oh, there were no windows. The only doors, uh, other than the ones by which we had entered, were the iron uh, grillwork doors of the cells. The cells took my attention first. Oh, for they seemed occupied by the people of another age who had suffered in places of horror like this. Some huddled at the back of the cells as though trying to hide from their tortures uh, and uh, seen outside until they were dragged forcibly out of torture. Oh, others, uh, mostly men, gripped the bars, staring out with expressions frozen in horror. I thought they, like the guards, were real at first. As I nervously came closer with Shane, I saw they were, uh, uh, pfft, plastic models cast in the poses they held, uh, and dressed in rude clothes or torn rags or, uh, vassals or serfs in the Middle Ages. Petro, uh, this is really something. Adam Lester had joined with Yasmin at the Count enthusiastically. Ah, this is, uh, this is fantastic. We could almost be back in the, uh, 13th or 14th century. Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, yeah. we could indeed, Adam, Count Renese smiled. And Jean Bethel, Bethel and Oliver joined them. And Jean said, Your Luigi must be quite a genius, Petro. Uh, uh, where, uh, where is he? Oh, you'll see him soon now. Uh, he's in the other chamber. Uh, through that arch on the right. Suppose we all sit on the benches along the wall near the entrance, where the where the barons and, and, and their ladies and their guests usually sat to enjoy the spectacle of such things. Luigi and Niccolo will then demonstrate and explain their instruments in there. Later, we will move to the other chamber, which I believe you will find even more interesting. Megan and Shane, hey, will you sit with us along the wall? Oh, there'll be plenty of time to examine the exhibits at your leisure later. You, uh, you know who else also has a torture chamber? Eh, a little man called Stephen Dorglas. He's a guy who started his life as a male model, but he had crap legs, real skinny little stick legs. Nobody liked him, and he couldn't get any work. So he gave that up, and he went into uh, the business of glass, making glass, by starting a company called Doorglass Incorporated, D-O-R-G-L-A-S-S dot com. Oh, they're dedicated to fabricating, professionally installing the highest quality glass products from the nation's top manufacturers. Their inventory, combined with their years of experience, makes them the premier source for installation and repair. They approach every project with the same goals, professionalism, integrity, and most importantly, they're discreet. And he will be discreet, because he has his own terrible secrets. He started his own torture chamber. When he got into the glass business, he did it out of spite, because he was a crap male model that no one wanted to hire. He had tiny little legs, beautiful upper body, and crap legs. Looked like two little wet cigarettes down there, floating around while he's walking. So he decided, out of anger, to start crafting things from glass. At first, he tried to fancy himself some kind of glass artist. But he's not. He's not that talented, Stephen Dorglas. So what he did, he started making... Glass torture devices. Glass-based torture devices. A lot of, like, laying on a glass bed with just broken glass laid on top that he just kind of glue gun down. Just dumb things. And he did that for a while, and boy, he liked it. He worked out a lot of his problems doing that. 
but uh, he also never wanted to share that secret until he met uh, Marcy, and uh, when they got married, he finally brought her down to his glass (laughs) cathedral of torture. And uh, she still loved him, so they're still married, which is kind of weird. What do they do? Commercial storefronts, automatic entrances, windows, patio doors, mirrors, shower doors, installation repair, and they'll design and build any goddamn thing you want, especially if you say, I sort of want to make some sort of glass thing that makes people feel uncomfortable, then then Stephen Douglas will lean in real close and be like, yeah, like what? Like a glass bed with broken glass on it? And you'll be like, oh, I don't know, Stephen Glor- uh, Douglas. Are we, are we speaking the same language right now? Do we both have the same thing? And he'll say, I'm very discreet. And he'll help you make whatever the hell you want. Their clients, Pottery Barn, Williams-Sonoma, Sherman Williams, Portillo's, the Salt Cave, which is a place in Minneapolis that has uh, Himalayan salt bricks in there that uh, walls made out of these dumb bricks that they light from behind so it looks all ethereal and stuff and you're supposed to do yoga in there and uh and meditation and god knows whatever dumb suburban middle-aged crap you could do uh and also oh don't touch the walls and also applebee's well with that why don't we take a little break and we'll go upstairs where we can try to have a nice tender intimate moment uh, in my master bedroom, uh, with my silken sheets of my heart-shaped bed, with the candelabras everywhere. I just got hand- candelabras on every surface, just even on the floor, just one sitting on the floor, lit with candles. Uh, why don't we go up there while I read to you the newest upcoming romance novels from Penguin Random House Books. Oh, there you are. I've been sitting here for like 15 minutes. Where the hell have you been? At first, I was walking up the stairs going to the bedroom, and you are supposed to be right behind me. Then you just kind of disappeared for a second. Probably go to the bathroom, take a crap. I don't know what the hell you're doing, but now you're here, and you're wearing some stupid, cheap, red silk devil outfit. This stupid, what is that, like a pitchfork or a trident? I don't know what the hell that's supposed to be. Looks like you painted it yourself. Why? Oh, now you're handing me a copy of something. You handed me a copy of uh, The Date from Hell, a novel by Gwenda Bond, read by Krista Vacker and Graham Halstead. So apparently it's an audiobook. Uh, want to hear about The Date from Hell? In Gwenda Bond's The Date from Hell, the hilarious romantic sequel to Not Your Average Hot Guy, Callie and Luke's date is thwarted when Lucifer gives them three days to redeem a soul. And that's it. There's literally nothing else. That was it. They don't even try to claim that it's a New York Times best-selling author. That's it. That's all you get. It's an audiobook. Uh, you can download, apparently, because they're not going to press it on any CDs. Uh, on uh, April 5th, Mel, I'll be in Italy. So if you get that, go listen to it yourself. And I'm going to be in Italy, and I'll never come back. Actually, when this episode comes out, I will most likely be exhausted on a plane flying back from Italy. So uh, go on. Get this audiobook. Listen to it. And just think about me curled up like a sleepy chinchilla on an incredibly uncomfortable seat for eight hours trying to just get home. Just get home so I can take a bath. Yeah, I'm the kind of person that still takes baths. Well, with that, uh, I'm not aroused. This was a crap book. Uh, I'm going to go back downstairs and I'm going to finish reading the rest of this uh, chapter and you can sit up here and do whatever the hell you do.
oh my god, you didn't come back down. I could sit here and read this book by myself. This is fantastic. I can't wait. Ah, shit, here you are. You're still wearing the goddamn suit. I was more interested in the models, I admitted. Oh, they're so lifelike, they're frightening. I noticed the way Oliver Grant was frowning at Yasmin, and I asked, hey, did you see them, Oliver? I think all this is sick, he said maliciously, looking at Count Renisi's hand on Yasmin's arm as the Count seated her next to himself on his left. Reminds me of the Chamber of Horrors and Madame Tussaud's waxworks. Give me the horses for entertainment any time. The Count held up his hand. Here is Luigi. In the center of the room of a, a brazier, oh, bra- I want to say brazier because it's, it's funnier, of hot coals began to glow as Niccolo pumped prim- uh, primitive bellows. Watching Niccolo, I almost leapt from my bench as someone in the other room screamed in horror. Shane, as startled as I was, demanded, What's going on out there, Count Renizzi? Luigi has arranged some effects for you all, Shane, and as I assure you, nobody will be hurt or even really frightened since they are our people and know exactly what to expect. Shane eased back on his couch, muttering under his breath. I studied Luigi, a tall man. The same headsman's costume Niccolo wore. Behind him, a boy of uh, 12 or so, dressed in the same macabre way, carried a huge double-edged headsman's axe. Behind the boy, two guards appeared, dressed in chain mail like those at the door, dragging a girl with bound arms from uh, the other chamber. Oh, it was it was she who had screamed, for she screamed again and tried to escape from the hands gripping her arms. She was a very pretty girl, I saw, rather like Carla, but uh, no more than, uh, oh, 18 or so, and she had the same jet black hair and uh, dark eyes. Oh, she wore a, a shapeless brown dress uh, tied to the waist with a leather thong, and uh, the dress was ragged, at the hem and worn enough to disclose the swell of one of her breasts. And uh, her struggles were certainly realistic. I thought I might have overacted the way as if I were being dragged ruthlessly along behind a page with a headman's axe. Luigi reached the brazier <laughs> and stood watching the girl struggle silently with folded arms. But I only saw the girl trying to fight free from her captors. So, too, I was sure did Shane, for she was, uh, for he was leaning forward on his bench, wide-eyed and staring. Oh, I looked past Shane and saw Yasmin watching the girl intently, uh, breathing hard, uh, and the men uh, as they carried away a shape. Oh, the victim seemed to weaken, gasped despairingly, and sagged in the hands of the guards. To the table with her, Luigi ordered a deep voice, uh, looking down and with the gleaming eyes, strap her down. Oh, the guards bade eagerly, and as she was being lifted, the dark head rolling convincingly, ah, the table was a a bench of thick wood fitted with leather straps, and the girl was sustained. I noticed that the, uh, she, she had, uh, she had good legs. Ah, the straps enclosed her body, her arms, her legs, with the guards handling her as though this was the real thing. The straps were drawn tight and buckled. The guards stood back. Luigi uh, turned to us then, hidden behind the anonymity, for some reason I can't say that word, I'm having a stroke, of hood and mask. The girl you see is 17 years old in the year 1200, and we assume that she is a, mm, a serf, from the village that serves the castle. Uh, she has had the honor of being chosen to learn to be a 
kitchen maid in the castle, serving the baron and his wife, Chatelaine. The baron has recently returned from the Fourth Crusade, and this silly girl has stolen food from the, from the Chatelaine's kitchen to take to her, to her hungry family in the village. When questioned by the steward, she became terrified and ran away and hid in the forest. Well, inevitably, inevitably we found that she was caught and the experience of men-at-arms uh, sent to search for a capture, uh, a search they would treat as hunting sport with the girl, both prey and prize. Oh, the girl opened her eyes, struggled, and found herself bound. She screamed again, and now she had been caught, raped many times, and dragged unconscious back to the castle cells, where she has been revived and cleansed, so that the Baron could pass judgment upon her for theft. But she's decided to make her punishment light to compensate for what she's already suffered. Adam Lester leaned forward on his bench. What was the usual punishment for theft, Luigi? he asked. Uh, ooh, uh, her right hand to be struck off just above the wrist, uh, Niccolo. It was done like this, Nicholas said eagerly, and he gave the guards an order in a low voice, and they picked up a bench with the girl strapped to it and moved it closer to what looked like a butcher's block, uh, with straps attached. And the guards unbuckled the girl's right arm and secured it to the block and the wrist and, and elbow. Oh, the apprentice brought the axe, and Niccolo took it and poised it above the girl's arm and looked at Luigi inquiringly. The girl shuddered and closed her eyes, a reaction that I knew wasn't acting. The hand was severed with one axe blow, Luigi said. The stump was then thrust into a hot melted pitch uh, to seal and cauterize it. Most thieves recovered from the punishment thereafter because of their uh, mutilation. They were recognizable as thieves uh, wherever they went for as long as they lived. Uh, Niccolo ordered the guards to move the girl back to where the count and his guests could see. Uh, He was positioning her with the soles of her feet toward them. The torturer's apprentice was bringing Luigi uh, what looked like a school cane painted black. Luigi uh, took it out of the air uh, with several times uh, making a whistle near the girl. He flinched each time as he heard it and began to whimper what seemed to be a genuine fright uh, when he stroked the sole of one of her feet with it lightly. This, he said, is what is called a, a bastonito. Uh, In the case of a young girl like this, uh, ten strokes in each foot would cripple her for life. He struck the girl very lightly on the sole of her foot with it, and she cried out in shock and terror while her body leaped vainly against leather straps, securing her to the bench. Luigi, oh, he laughed subtly and began his uh, behind his mask and enjoyed her reaction in ours. Luigi turned to the next instrument of torture. If our victim had a sterner master, oh, he might have used the thumb screw on her as punishment for theft. Oh, the screw forces down upon the thumb, slowly crushing the thumbnail and uh, and the quick and, and the flesh and the bone. The resulting pulp is extruded through this small hole in the bottom of the base. A very painful process. Well, he gave it to Niccolo, who placed it eagerly on the girl's thumb and began to turn the screw, but the girl cried out in shock as her flesh was pinched. Niccolo stopped at once and uh, took it off again. I had the impression that uh, he liked what he was doing to her. Luigi was producing even more horrible instruments. I began to feel sick as Luigi went on and on with this exhibition of unspeakable things, and here in this room, he told us, were only minor implements of torture. 
I would have asked Shane to take me out to the fresh air, but Shane was on the edge of the seat, staring with the others, mostly at the girl, and I suspected her reactions were more than just acting. It seemed to me nobody could portray fear that well without actually being terrified. I looked appallingly to Yasmin to see if she felt as I did. Uh, but she was staring wide-eyed from the girl to the horrible implements of torture and fascinated the men. Oh, I leaned back and closed my eyes and began to remind myself that this was just something uh, like the late, late movies on television, trying to evoke a past that nobody living today uh, knew or wanted to be told about. And presently it began to work. I was able to walk calmly into the next room of these chambers of horrors after Luigi... Uh, oops... Ah, God, I wish I had a candle. Himself had released his victim, the girl, and introduced her as Maria Salta, the daughter of one of the castle gardeners. Luigi explained that Maria had not been long in America and spoke only Italian. And when both Jean and Oliver began to talk to her in that language, she added that she was very young and shy, and perhaps uh, that explained her hesitant answers. But I doubted that it explained the pallor behind the overly thick makeup, or the way that she sat down trembling and shook her head when they began to ask her questions. Oh, Oliver gave up quickly, following Yasmin as we began to walk into the other room. And Jean followed, frowning soon afterwards as we sat on other benches, and I heard, I heard Jean say something to Oliver, eh? About her being a, a, a dumb bird? And Oliver said that he thought that she had been scared dumb. Here were the instruments of execution. New girls were being dragged from cells along the wall to excite us, but only as far as the machines of execution, where plastic models took their place and the models were so lifelike uh, that I couldn't watch them. And in here was the rack upon which the convicted was fastened. Uh, to be torn slowly limb from limb. And here was too is a horrible way with all women to die. Uh, Emerged in peace, walled into the windowless cell for life with only a slit in the stone wall. Uh, through which bread and water were passed when the guards remembered to give her food and drink. Uh, another horrible thing that had uh, terrified women to madness uh, was uh, the wooden horse. Uh, a divided wooden horse upon which they were uh, forcibly seated with the uh, ankles tied together beneath their implement. Oh, the torches drove iron wedges between the two halves of the horse, uh, forcing the two halves apart until the uh, victim was torn in two. And there were many other horrible relics of a sick past, a cross for crucifixion, uh, crucifixion uh, the charred stake to which a suspected uh, witch had been tied for burning, uh, ducking stools, nah, 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 the tools of blinding, deafening, making dumb, and castrating. Luigi showed us the terrible Iron Maiden unto which the victim was locked to be slowly and inexorably crushed by points of steel. I had sickened of all of it long before, and it was beginning to worry Shane, but the others were still interested. Oh, they were examining the horrible machinery of death, which morbid curiosity, Shane's uncle, urged upon Count Renese had started working the implements uh, instead of Luigi. Oh, Yasmin moved about with the Count while she urged Adam Lister uh, to more and more daring experiments upon Luigi's nervous girls or his plastic models. Shane glanced at me as though disgusted by his uncle's behavior. I'd like, uh, I'd like to go back, Shane, I said in a low voice. I've, uh, I've had enough. He nodded. I would have taken you upstairs long ago, Megan. I'm sorry. He glanced around, looking for the count. I suppose we should uh, tell him we're going. 
So absorbed were they that I doubted they'd even miss Shane and me. But I nodded. Adam Lester was playing with guillotine. That was a relic of the French Revolution, complete with a slanted blade. Oh, here the victim was seated upon a stool with his head locked into a stock-like device uh, below the raised blade. And, and when the blade fell, the severed head dropped into a waiting cane basket. Gasmin and the Count stood together, watching Adam Lester raise the blade again as though fascinated. Oh, he glanced at us and smiled self-consciously as we came up. Oh, 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 I wish I had a miniature of this in my collection. Count Pedro thinks he might get me one. I love that he's, like, looking at the real thing, like, oh, boy, I can't wait to get a miniature of that. A friend of mine in Tolton has one, Count Renese smiled. Great, Shane said, deadpan. Your collection is unique, Count Will you excuse us? Megan is tired, and this isn't exactly my scene. Outside, as we walk past the guards, we both let our breath sigh out in relief. Even the winding stairway with its stained walls and spiderweb seemed healthier than Count Renese at Terror Keep. We went upstairs, silently holding hands, while the dark eyes of guards in medieval armor watched us go. Well, that's the end of that chapter. Uh, why don't we uh, retire to the smoking room where we can kind of go over what the hell we just read. Well, now that you're settled here in the smoking room with the Parakeets, my girlfriend convinced me to put in here because it makes the place seem classier and more interesting. Uh, parakeets that now have a serious nicotine addiction from all the smoke that's filling up in this room all the time. Uh, let's recap the chapter that we just read. Well, uh, Count Renese brought everyone down to his torture chamber uh, where sweet, sweet Yasmin uh, is delicate and hates spiders. Oh, she thinks it's like a giant something the size of a quarter with big old spindly legs is going to go and... I don't know what... What do people that fear spiders think is going to happen? They're going to crawl up your nose? I don't know what they think is going to happen. But, uh... So they go down, they do that. Uh, turns out the, the mold on the walls is fake, which I don't believe. Uh, and uh, everything else is uh, all for show. They have, uh... They have guards that are fake that move around and stuff. They talk about how you got to have the bolt on the outside of the door, blah, blah, blah. And then they go into the actual torture chamber. They go in and they see like some gross, weird machines. And uh, and a woman is dragged in against her will, kicking and screaming. And it seems a little too authentic. Her fear seems too real. She can't speak English. All she could do is shout her weird foreign language out there. And uh, as they start to threaten her, like, oh, we're going to whip your feet. And you'll never be able to walk again. Oh, we're going to cut off your arm, but we're not going to. And oh, we could do a thumb screw, but, uh, but we're not going to. Which the thumb screw is kind of weird because I guess you screw the thumb and then like all the skin just squeezes out of a small hole. That part was gross. Um, and in the end, they, they interview her afterwards, like all porn. And they say, uh, uh, did, you, did you like it? Did you consent? And she technically says yes, but she doesn't seem like she really means it. So we kind of learned that. Then they, you know, the, the protagonist and uh, boyfriend go upstairs and just kind of call it a night. So uh, there you go. That's that chapter. Uh, weird chapter that's weird and fetishy. What's good? Eh, well, things are picking up. It's not just about horse camp all the time. Now we're finally learning more about uh, uh, Renese. 
what sucks? Um, I don't know. What are we at? Four chapters in? And there doesn't seem to be a whole hell of a lot happening yet. Get in there. You started out strong with the romance, like on page one. Uh, but now suddenly we're just kind of trailing around doing whatever the fuck we're doing. Uh, what do we learn? Well, if someone says, hey, I've dedicated a shitload of money to this thing I'm interested in, and it involves a woman screaming and yelling convincingly, then it's probably just a weird fetish. And you probably shouldn't sit there and look at it. You should probably just go, oh, this is like a weird fetish thing, and I don't want to be a part of it. Shut up, and I want to be a part of it. Uh, and uh, then you just leave. Like, leave. Leave the castle. Leave the whole thing. Like, yeah, you're a weird pervert, and I don't want to be uh, sitting here while you parade this shit around in front of me. But uh, that's just because I'm fussed. I'm fussed because this is my third episode I've done in under a week. Because I'm trying to make sure that you people have something to listen to while I go to Italy. Oh, like I said earlier, I'm probably going to be on my way back from Italy right now, like a little chinchilla all curled up in an uncomfortable chair, that uh, I, uh, I'm i going to be hopefully coming back with a whole new perspective. Or, like I said before, maybe I just won't come back at all. Maybe I'll wear a tight suit and ride in a Vespa and smoke cigarettes with little 1960s wraparound sunglasses. Uh, just uh, saying Italian words at people because everyone will be cheering me on and, and welcoming me as I drive through the neighborhood. I don't know. We have no idea what's going to happen by now. I'm recording this with complete ignorance about what my next week is going to be like. So with that, uh, thanks for listening. And uh, maybe I will or maybe I will not complete this book next week. Ah, uh, well, it appears you found me in the part of the podcast I hate the most where I tell you all about the places on the internet where you can find me. You can tell I hate this because of the sound effects making it sound like a stormy night uh, in the drawing room of the damned. Now, there's there's that. Uh, I, I, are you cool? I like cool people. That's the reason why I got involved in this business. Damn it, you want the birds escape? Cool people. Not losers. So if you're cool, uh, feel free to go over to my website, uh, nuzzlehouse.com. You can see a backlog get, of everything I've ever read. Get back on the uh, smoking with episodes from Book Boys. How the hell did you uh, even blah, get out? Blah, blah, blah. You can also find ridiculous. me on Instagram, uh, which is a house nuzzle. And conveniently enough, uh, Twitter, I have which is also net. at house nuzzle. catch birds? Annoyingly, YouTube made me pick a name. Instead of just a house nuzzle. So you got Glenn Nuzzles. So I guess you search for that if you want to watch a screen that doesn't do anything and just hear my voice. Uh, and since, uh, since I think you might be cool, you can always just email me directly. Glenn.nuzzles at gmail.com. But don't, uh, don't email if you're a, a nerdlinger or a dork. Now, back to business. I can't believe I drank all of them already. Oh, God damn it.